So many families have found that over summer, especially if you're like a working parent, you got to do what you got to do. And sometimes the only way to take a call or finish that project is to hand over some more screen time. Sometimes that just continues to stack up and you're seeing the negative effects in your kids, but you feel kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here. Like, well, I can either do my work and keep my job <laughs> and hand over all the devices, or I can do this thing like cutting the kids off. And so it's parents and families are put in a tough situation. So that's why back to school time can be a really great time to kind of reset everything when it comes to digital entertainment. Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy. Thanks for listening in as we talk with leaders. Today, I am talking with Molly DeFrank. She is the mom of six kids, and she has found a simple solution to the negative impact of too much screen time. So she wrote a practical guide for parents called Digital Detox, the two-week tech reset for kids. Molly DeFrank, author of Digital Detox, welcome. I'm so glad you came back because now we're going to talk about back to school. Oh yes, this is huge for parents. So many families have found that over summer, especially if you're like a working parent, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And sometimes the only way to take a call or, you know, finish that project is to hand over some more screen time. And Sometimes that just continues to stack up and you're seeing the negative effects in your kids, but you feel kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here. Like, well, I can either do my work and keep my job <laughs> and hand over all the devices, or I can do this thing like cutting the kids off. And so it's parents and families are put in a tough situation. So that's why back to school time can be a really great time to kind of reset everything when it comes to digital entertainment. There's so many great reasons to do that. Number one, I think front and center here is our kids are struggling to pay attention in school. So many parents find that they have really smart, intelligent kids, but they are struggling. So, so many parents think, oh, my kids must have ADHD. And certainly that's real. We've dealt with that too in our home, but um, there's actually a child psychiatrist who has studied this extensively. And in her practice, she's seen that. So many of these kids, they think they have bipolar disorder. They think they have ADHD and through a digital electronics fast, their symptoms resolve almost entirely. So I would just really want to encourage parents that if you are stressed that maybe too much has seeped in over the summer, or if you're back to school already and your kids are having some attention issues, try a detox for two weeks, watch it fix a giant proportion of these problems. And I mean, what do you have to lose? I love how you set it up in a way that it's hard. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it, but that it is hard and there are challenges. And what I really liked about last time we talked, you really talk about tailoring it to your specific family. To the first point you made that it's hard. I think that's kind of what got us into this mess of too much digital in the first place is that we kind of have collectively bought into this lie that quiet, peaceful, conflict-free households and parenting is a thing and it is not, but we keep trying. Well, maybe, you know, you hand them the device and then, oh, look, they're quiet. Everything's great. And then the fallout happens later when the timer dings. So if that's you, if you're in that boat, like, don't worry, we're all there. We've all lived through the last, you know, 15, 20 years and we've seen it happen together. But for that reason, you can absolutely tailor this detox for your individual children. Um, I have six right now in my home. I'm a parent and foster parent. And I've seen it, A of all, it impacts each of them differently, depending on their ages, depending on their, for example, ADHD kids. A lot of parents find that interactive screen time impacts them much worse 
the non-ADHD kids. If you've got kids from trauma backgrounds, it can also gaming and tablets, they can impact those kids in much worse ways. And part of that is, and I didn't know this before our detox. That's why I loved putting this all in the book, just enough to help parents get through the detox and understand the science behind it, but not so much that you're drowning in it. When kids are little, especially kids from trauma or have gone through hard things, their brains are bathed in cortisol and these stress hormones, and they're going into fight or flight mode. Well, now when they're a little older, a little removed from that, then these games are putting them into fight or flight mode again. They've got that stress hormone again. So when your kids seem like super amped up, like always revved up, their fighting is a next level, their screen time might have something to do with that. Their gaming might have something to do with that. So in terms of tailoring it for your kids, one other aspect is, and parents ask me this all the time, well, what my kids use devices in school. They send the kids home with a laptop or whatever it is, they have to do their assignments that way. Well, that's okay. You know, we, I think when you're starting your detox, what we did was, yeah, we didn't, we banished all digital entertainment for two weeks. It's entertainment you're taking off the table. There's schoolwork. We let our kids do our schoolwork. We were homeschooling too at the time. Their math curriculum was on the computer. They still had to do their math work. So that was okay. So we don't want to be legalistic here, but you do want the detox to work for you. And in order for it to do that, you need to take off all digital entertainment. You kind of just use parental learning powers, that superpower that you have, you know, your kid better than anyone else. And you're going to see where can we cut out entertainment? So don't let your kids tell you that, um, well, this is how I hang out with my friends is by playing these multiplayer games. Like that's our friendship. No, that's not real connection. That's not what we're talking about. That's let's just be honest with ourselves there. What we're trying to do during these two weeks is to increase the amount of face-to-face time with our kids. So it will require work again, to your point that it is hard. Sometimes it can be hard, but for two weeks, you can commit to being the home that hosts the kids. Yes, you're no, you can't be on video games for these two weeks. But yes, after school every day or every other day, your friends can come over. I bought the smoothie ingredients. Um, you guys can hang out. You can listen to music. We did not banish music during our detox. That was not what was bringing out the worst in our kids. So make it your own. If you've got older kids, it gets a little bit trickier because it's more deeply integrated, but there are absolutely ways you can tailor this thing to work. I encourage you don't just throw the whole thing out because you think it will be hard. Take the time, roll up your sleeves and make it work for you. I would say put aside any preconceived ideas that you have. When we first talked, I can be really literal. So I'm like, oh, a digital detox, that means nothing. And so I love that you say it's when teachers are having them do their work on computer. When I was raising my kids, they weren't on the computer. There was the computer, but they weren't on it. If anything, it was Xbox. But I remember the school doing a, a week of no TV and we did it. But it was hard. And it sounds like your book not only walks you through the process, it kind of gives you some validation and grace as a parent, gives you worksheets and ideas. Essentially, the book that I wish I had when we started our detox, I pulled the plug on my kids three years ago and I did it out of parental frustration because I noticed that there were these behavioral issues after screen time and they didn't have those issues after a non-screen activity. They didn't melt down if I told them, oh, stop coloring and come to dinner. They didn't like fall on the ground. You know, it was it was something else was going on. And so I was just frustrated. And we were we were setting timers. We were adding it back in for good behavior, taking some away for bad behavior. And it wasn't working. Most parents I help 
fall into that camp. They're doing something. They are trying to make it work well, but it's not working. And so it wasn't until I detoxed our kids fully that I figured out, oh my gosh, there are very specific things you can do. There are ways you can troubleshoot when it crashes and burns. There are ways to start over if you need to do that. And, you know, all of our kids are wired differently. So the detox really helps you get to know your kids like never before. And the book is set up to work for any type of family. So at the beginning of the book, I help parents get a little bit of clarity here with like, let's step back and get that 30,000 foot view and say, what are we even like, what do we want to accomplish while, while our kids are under our roof? You know, we all have probably different priorities, but for us, it's like, I want my kids to, when I move them off to college and I'm saying like, what did you pull out of our, like, what did you absorb from our home life? What did you think are the most important driving factors for our family? And I, I have parents do that and kind of clarify that for your home. And then you can kind of work backwards and say, okay, is my daily schedule, is our life, our day-to-day stuff, um, is it forwarding those goals or, or are we just passing those time that time by until we can get to the next thing? And there's no shame in that. I think a lot of us in our culture, it's so busy. It's like, just get through the day, but you don't, it doesn't have to be like that. So really just kind of get that clarity. But the, the first half of the book is about the detox, how to do it, how to break the news to the kids step-by-step. And then the second half is how to create a long-term plan to keep those results. Because frankly, I've never helped a family detox their kids who said, yeah, and now we want to move off the grid and we don't ever want to connect to to any digital. (laughs) No, that's not even how we feel. We love digital entertainment. In fact, we just watched a great movie last night with the kids. It was uh, The Rescue. It's this, I think, National Geographic documentary about those boys in Thailand. They got stuck, that soccer team, and it was riveting. And my kids, all different ages, were just like absorbed in this thing. And I'll tell you what, if they were as overstimulated as they were a couple years ago, the dopamine through the roof, they would not have sat through a documentary like that. But when you bring that overstimulation down to normal real life levels, and you do that when you reset their brains in this detox, now your kids have a shot at watching a little slower paced things and still enjoying them. The first half of the book tells you exactly how to get through the detox, lots of tips there. And then I also have some freebies on my website for people who order the book, but it's like, it's a very simple plan. And although simple doesn't necessarily mean easy, your investment will totally be worth it. You get so much more back from this. You're giving your kids so much more than what you're taking away from them. It's just, I can't even overstate it. And people send me messages all the time telling me this exact thing. They, you know what? I was a little doubtful. I thought, well, it can't be that drastic. And then I couldn't believe it. A couple days in, I had different kids. They were, they're happier. They're in better moods. They're playing together better. So I wouldn't really encourage you if you're considering it, check out the book and just, and just read it and see what you think. Because every single family who's tried it has said something to the effect of this change, changed our lives. We are talking with Molly DeFrank. She is the author of Digital Detox, the two-week tech reset for kids. Your website is mollydefrank.com. So Molly, something we did touch on last time is you are a foster parent and you said you have six kids right now. I do. You've done this for over three years. So I don't know if you have new kids coming in, but somebody that maybe is taking in new kids, how do you do that when you've already kind of established away? How does, when this new kid comes in with all their stuff? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it is not without difficulty for sure. So, um, especially, I don't know where you're somewhere on the West coast. I don't remember you're in Washington state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm in California and the, the laws here are such that, especially if teenagers come into the home, you can't just confiscate their cell phone 
right? And, and there's probably a good reason for that because these kids, not all foster homes are great homes. So you want kids to be able to have a, a way to, you know, connect with the outside world. Um, but what I love is that we we started taking in teenage girls shortly after our detox and we had started to kind of get a handle on what, what culture we wanted to create in our home as it pertained to digital entertainment and devices. And through that, when these teenagers would come in and out of our home, they noticed a difference. They noticed that we didn't have our screen, our faces in our screens all day. And in fact, one of them said something to me a couple days in, she said, so do you guys like not do TV or what's going on? And I kind of told her, I'm like, you know, we do, we actually really enjoy TV, but we just find that everyone feels better. Everyone's happier. Um, they, we get more out of life when we just keep it relegated into these specific blocks of time. And she was like, okay. And she kind of seemed a little dubious. And then about a week later, she said, you know what? I feel a lot better. Um, and this is a teenage girl. And she told me, I feel a lot better when I'm, when I'm, you know, hanging out outside with you guys. And, um, instead of just watching TV nonstop, I'm actually having conversations and this feels really nice. And, you know, there, I, I could tell you a couple stories like that with different kids that were teenagers, but, looking at the the huge picture, the landscape, we see that this is happening on a giant scale. We see what's happening to kids' mental health. We're in the midst of the worst youth mental health crisis we have ever seen. We see that the, the start of that ties in exactly around when the more than half of the population had smartphones. Um, it ties in, there's a correlation absolutely between kids' social media use and their mental health. It's something that parents, we can't just sit idly by and watch it happen. We need to kind of, we need to step in here. Um, the reason why it's a little trickier with the teenagers is because they have more autonomy than our small children and they should because they're working towards moving out of the home and that's great. But frankly, it's, I had the most fun having these conversations with our teenagers. It's, I think it's even more fun to walk through this stuff with teens and tweens than it is with little kids. Um, with little kids, it's very cut and dry, you know, okay, no iPads, no TV for the next week. With older kids, it's, they're asking really good questions. They're challenging you. I told my, my daughter who will be in junior high this year, I said, Hey, I wonder if we should try another little weekend detox. And she said, okay, are you going to do it? <laughs> and I love that she said that to me. And I, I laughed. I'm like, that's a great question. I'm going to do, this is the part of the detox I'm going to do with you. But with as grownups, as you get older, you'll see like, oh shoot, we need texting. We need our phone. We need, I, that's how I make your doctor's appointment. So they all kind of blend together, but these are good conversations to have with our kids. So it's huge for our teenagers, for our young kids, but parents, I promise you can get a handle on this in a way that it's, the stakes are so high. So if you put in the time, read the book, and I guarantee you, you will be changed by this experience. Molly, something that you said really rung a bell with me because when I was raising my kids, computers were new, cell phones were new. And I remember thinking, wow, this could get out of hand. Then as my kids moved on, I remember going to the mall and watching parents pushing their kids in strollers and everybody's on their phone. Nobody's like looking at each other. They're not talking with their kids. Everyone's even walking with their phones. And I'm actually a traffic reporter also in Seattle. And do you know more people are getting hit by cars? Yeah, they're walking and looking oh at their phone and they're crossing the street. I think that like that generation, that next first generation, they don't even know. It hasn't even occurred to them because it's all they've known. I feel like your book is really timely because I think that people are starting to realize wait, it's almost like an attachment issue. 
can't go anywhere without my phone, can't live without my phone. So it feels like it's really timely that not only for the kids, but for the parents. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever been sitting at a stoplight and the the arrow turns green and the whole light cycle goes by and the cars don't go and you're like, oh, no, you're just looking at your phone. But, you know, you mentioned you pass these these kid uh, families at the mall and the kids are looking at these tablets. And frankly, if you had passed me in the grocery store a decade ago, I would have been doing the same thing. And this is why I love talking to parents about this. Um, because I don't think there's any shame in trying new technology that's available. Um, especially when these tablets that came out, the iPad was released in 2011 and it was really marketed to us as a way to get our kids ahead in life. It's a, oh, it's educational. Oh, look at, they can learn all their numbers and their letters. They can learn a foreign language, all these things. And we bought in, I bought in. I had a, a case that I strapped to the back of my driver's seat in the car <laughs> so that my kids could be entertained and it works until it doesn't. It works until you start seeing the negative effects. You know, if you're listening and you've tried going down this road and you're looking at the marketing and you're looking at reality and you're like, these two things do not align, especially when you realize, and I talk about this in the book, the people who create this technology are the strictest parents when it comes to screen time. Steve Jobs would not let his kids near an iPad. And these are the things that we didn't know then, but we know now. And so it's just a matter of correcting course. We just want to take a minute, take a break, and then put it back in its right place so that technology is actually working for us rather than feeling like we're enslaved to it. That's mainly the thing is just putting in these friction points. You said something that made me think of this. It was just watching it come about. And you were very insightful to say this could get to be too much. I don't think I even thought of that until the until I watched the effects to my kids. But you know, when I was in junior high, high school, we had AOL, we had dial up internet, you know, I could still hear the sounds of it dialing in. There were these friction points in place that you, it wasn't going with you in your pocket. You didn't have access to the whole world in your pocket. You had to sit in a waiting room and make conversation with the person next to you. Um, you, you had so many more opportunities to connect person to person. And our kids today are not getting that. They are being deprived of these interactions with other human beings face-to-face that they need for the rest of their lives. And we don't even need to get into it, but we know that over the course of COVID, when everyone was forced online and away from each other, we see that that brought such havoc on our kids, on their mental health, on adults too. So we know that the fix is simple, that it's more in-person interaction, but remember, and that our devices are purposefully designed to keep us scrolling and tapping. So it's not something uniquely faulty in your personality that keeps you wanting to pick it up, they're actually designed and wired to release excessive amounts of dopamine, that feel-good chemical for you and for your kids. There's a physiological component to this thing. There's no shame in it is what I'm trying to say. For adults, it's one thing. For adults who grew up in the 80s, 90s, before, after that, we learned how to socialize with people we learned the art of knocking on your neighbor's door to ask him to come out to play. And um, we had to troubleshoot our own boredom. But for kids today, especially since that decision-making, that um, prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed until 25, they don't have the ability to delay gratification like we do, like grownups do. And so they need their parents more than ever to kind of stand there, create some friction points, help them sort out where to put it. Everywhere and all the time is not the place for our kids' digital entertainment. But unfortunately, that's the status quo right now. What I would encourage parents with is that you can change it and it's simpler than you think. Just before COVID, I had made a decision. A friend of mine told me that she had 
decided she was going to have more conversations and put down her phone like when she was in a waiting room. So I decided at work in the elevator, it was always packed. So I, I would just make sure my phone was in my purse or pocket. And even though people don't talk in the elevator, what I do is if if I would get in and there were people there, I'd, I'd rather than reach across, I'd say, oh, could you hit my floor number? And people kind of look at you like, but I was noticing if people were on their phone, they did seem to be uncomfortable that I wasn't, even though you don't really talk in elevators. And I was really enjoying the experience. And then COVID hit and there was, now if someone's in, in the elevator, it's like, Where'd you come from? When you talk about the dopamine, you know, I think for us as parents realizing there are other ways to get that. And so helping our kids find other ways to get that kind of joy and excitement in their life, because then they know they have choices. I love what you said. Our kids need us. Sometimes I feel like parents feel like they don't have a right to be a parent. My baby sister was a parent before me, and she used to say, you're the mama bear. You make the rules. And I remember thinking, yeah, I am. It is important for us to give them guidelines. It's not just foster kids that have trauma. Absolutely. You're you're completely spot on there. And it's interesting because as I was researching for the book, I found, I, I read stacks of books from different disciplines. You've got neurologists, psychiatrists, psychologists, educators, and all of them from their various vantage points are saying, this is a problem. We're, these are the effects of the problem we're seeing in kids with too much and the wrong kind of digital entertainment. But parents, don't underestimate your influence. There is nothing like the influence of a loving parent in a child's life. So all of these people can make their recommendations, but the one who's there every day on the front lines, the one who's having those conversations in the car rides, that's you. It's a topic that most people are willing to say, yeah, too much digital entertainment is a problem for our kids. 85% of parents say it's a problem. And it's just a matter of rolling up our sleeves as parents. The power we have, the influence we have is you can't even overstate it. I think it was last fall, Congress got together on a bipartisan effort to, to address this issue of teens and their mental health as a result of social media, TikTok, and all these things. People were applauding this thing. And I, I read an article about it and it said, yeah, now they're passing this law that says if harm is done to our kids' mental health as a result of these social media platforms, then afterwards, parents can actually sue these companies for the damages. And I'm like, how is that the solution? We're going to wait years for the harm to happen and then hope for some, who cares about monetary relief after the harm is, you know what I mean? And so I'm sitting here going, oh no, we are missing it. And just like you said, you, in the same way that you wouldn't let your kid eat three square meals of gummy bears, that's what they're taking in, in their hearts and their brains. And, and we have more influence than that. It's just a matter of taking it back and lovingly pouring into our kids and setting these parameters that they need for the rest of their lives. Last time we talked right afterwards, this thing came out about kids getting ticks from TikTok. Absolutely. I mean, our kids are craving they're craving just that, their parents to to step in and, and make the hard decisions when it needs to be made. So that, and that's our job as parents. That's we're shepherd, we're guide. And, you know, at some point that relationship will change. Our kids will make their own decisions. And my plan is that when I, when my kids are under my roof, by the time they're 17, 18, they're, they're probably going to have most of the freedoms they'll have in their adult life. And so we'll kind of relinquish those over time. But when our kids are small and when our kids are still under our roof, it's not the time 
to let them just have whatever they want when it comes to the digital world. And the stakes are way too high. We're seeing that with the research that that article about the ticks that you brought up was so interesting. It was in the Wall Street Journal. I remember that. And it said that um, over the course of COVID, ER visits for those tick disorders, it's, and for your listener, if they haven't read the article, it, it basically these kids were coming into the emergency rooms presenting like they had Tourette's, but it wasn't Tourette's. It was actually just like this disorder that looked like that mimicked it. And they found what the, the all these people had in common was that they were teenagers who had been watching a lot of these TikToks with people exhibiting these sort of Tourette-like symptoms. The doctors and researchers were looking, breaking down the data and they said, okay, well, we need the cause of this is TikTok and underlying mental health problems. So get off TikTok and do therapy. And the same thing happened with eating disorders. They saw too. ER visits for eating disorders doubled over the course of the pandemic with kids spending so much time watching these body image videos on TikTok. If we see a correlation, we see a problem, we got to jump in there, parents. We can absolutely do this thing. I will say though, relationship is the bedrock of all of this. So if we're just coming in here, making all these rules, it will crash and burn. Um, the, the detox is not designed to work super well if it's only rules. Um, it's You've got to come in there with amping up your parental connection with your kids. And to be clear, I'm not talking about helicopter parenting. What I'm talking about is some inve- pockets of intentional investment and then letting your kids use their brains, use their imagination, troubleshoot their boredom, you know, practice exercising these skills and flexing these muscles that they're going to need and watch what happens at school too. That was really encouraging to us with a couple of our kids. They shot up, those reading levels just went through the roof. When we detoxed them, their attention spans got better. One kid that we were pretty sure had ADHD, suddenly their attention span was like nothing else in the classroom. And the next teacher thought we were crazy for even bringing it up. (laughs) So it's like our, our kids are just, they're so chronically overstimulated that you're giving them, what you're giving them is a gift. Even though they can't see that it is, that's our job as parents to, to look at that long view and say, I know they're complaining about this and they don't want it, but I can see the big picture. And I know that me saying we're going to do this in the short term is going to be big time payoff in the long run. Seriously, what have you got to lose? What if you do it and you hate it and you say, I'm never going to do it again? At least you can always say, hey, we did it. We gave it a try. What a better time than back to school. We're talking with Molly DeFrank, Digital Detox, the two-week tech reset for kids and you can get it on amazon or you can go to her website which is mollydefrank.com i just want to encourage you parents you do not have to be a special type of parent to do this thing single parents working parents dual working households whatever your family situation is you don't have to be crafty you don't have to be pinteresty i promise you can do this i would love to hear from you i'd love to help you troubleshoot check out the book you can do this Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you, Molly. Thanks, Lori. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference. You can do this.